Purple Cow by Seth Godin. One sentence summary. Purple Cow explains why building a great product and advertising the heck out of it simply doesn't cut it anymore, and how you can build something that's so remarkable people have to share it in order to succeed in today's crowded post-advertising world. My favorite quote from the author is, In a crowded marketplace, fitting in is a failure. In a busy marketplace, not standing out is the same as being invisible. Seth Godin Gary Vaynerchuk has a fair point when he simply introduces Seth Godin as the legend on his show. You know you are one when you can type in just your first name into Google and your own blog shows up. Seth Godin caught the magnitude of what the internet would turn into from day one. And boy was he right. His first startup, YoYoDyne, which used giveaways and contests and games to market companies to online users back in 1995, can you believe this 1995, was eventually acquired by Yahoo in 1998 for 30 million dollars. And Seth got a fancy new job as director of marketing there. Even before, but especially after quitting that in 2000, he's created a plethora of companies, written 18 best-selling books and owns the number one marketing blog in the world which counts 6,000 posts. Here are three lessons from this particular masterpiece of his. 1. We live in the third era of advertising, where marketing is mainly done through word of mouth. 2. Not taking risks is riskier than taking risks. 3. If you want your product to succeed, focus on early adopters as your first customers. Ready to make your marketing remarkable? Well, here we go. Purple Cow Lesson 1. Today, marketing is mainly done through word-of-mouth recommendations. This answers the question, what other modes of marketing have emerged after TV and classic billboard or radio advertising? Seth walks us through the history of advertising and says there were three distinct periods. Before advertising was way back in ancient times, when people could only spread the word about great deals with their mouse. For example, in ancient Rome, when one of the vendors on the market sold particularly good fish, everyone who bought one would of course tell all their friends and family. Likely, the next time they'd go to the market, they'd visit that same vendor. During advertising was the time during the 18 and 1900s, when advertising seemed to work like magic, and the only limit to how much you could sell through it was how much you were able to buy. Billboards, ads in magazines, TV commercials, they all fall into this category. But by now, we're in the era after advertising. Consumers completely ignore ads now and are already blind to banner ads online. Unless they're looking for something specific, for example a car, people won't look at car ads. In the era we are in right now, we've gone back to word-of-mouth marketing, only that the word is now exchanged online, which makes news about good and bad products spread a lot more quickly, thanks to social media like Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Purple Cow, Lesson 2. Not taking risks is riskier than taking risks. This answers the question, what is the definition of good marketing in a 2017 world? Because we live in a post-advertising world and the internet is such a noisy place, you have to be truly remarkable to stand out, like a purple cow among brown, black and white cows. Seth calls this remarkable marketing, and without it your product is doomed to fail. That's why the riskiest thing you and your company can do right now is to not take any risks at all. Following the trends and trying not to make any noise won't make you stand out, it will make you invisible. For example, Ford is a steady company, but they're not very innovative. They do what they know to do, again and again, 
which is why their stock price has merely changed in 10 years. They're a boring company. <clears throat> Take Porsche and you see a company that's always at the edge. In 2013, Porsche took a massive risk with the 918 project. They built a car with hybrid technology, which they'd never done before. The car cost eight times as much as any of their normal models, and they limited production to 918 units. But what they built was truly remarkable. The car caught major attention for its space-style design and also set an all-time record on the Nürburgring. The car completely sold out. It's your choice. You can never take risks and never build something that's so great everyone will eventually want it. Or you can work at the edge, occasionally fall, but rise all the higher in the long run. Purple Cow Lesson 3 If you want your product to successfully reach the masses, focus on early adopters first. This answers the question, where should I direct my early marketing efforts? When I hear the word early adopters, I always have to think of Simon Sinek and his TED Talk. The gist of it is that you need to communicate why you do things before you tell people what you do, because that'll help get your product into the right people's hands. In both Seth's and Simon's case, these people are called early adopters. Traditional marketing shoots its advertising right at the majority of people when a new product comes out. The mistake with this is that the majority isn't ready for it yet. They want a proven product, not some new gimmick. Instead, build your product in a way that makes it attractive to innovators and early adopters. The tech geeks, the people that stand in line for 24 hours to buy an iPhone, and let those spread the word. When you do this and make sure that your product is easily shareable, you'll make sure your product eventually reaches the masses through diffusion, and they won't turn you down at the door. My personal takeaways from Purple Cow for 2017. <clears throat> The very first thing I'd like to say about Seth Godin is that I absolutely love the guy. I can recommend all of the books I've read by him. And I'm always astonished by how relevant they remain, given how old they are. I'm not exactly sure which year Purple Cow was published in, but I'm guessing somewhere around 2007 or so. And it's exactly as relevant 10 years later as it was the day it came out. So this is really astonishing. Seth has a way to give very timeless advice. Timeless marketing advice too, which is even uh, rarer than timeless advice in general. And what I would like to explain to you is how he suggests you implement the three lessons from this book. So we learned that uh, we're in a word of mouth era of advertising where you have to make something that is somehow shareable and so awesome people want to share it. So something that people will pass on to other people because that's how you reach scale eventually. The second part is about taking risks and that not taking risks is actually the biggest risk you can take. And But how does Seth want you to take risks? And so I've learned this from other books of his and talks. The way he takes risks is he does it in a very contained way. So he sets up something like say for a new book, he writes a blog and he publishes something every day. Over time, he gets feedback to his blog posts, right? He sees how much they're shared, how many comments they get, or he can check the traffic. There's various kinds of feedback modes he has that will tell him which topics do well and which topics interest people. So for him, it's a very contained risk to say, mm, let me turn those three blog posts into an ebook and make that available for free. And if a ton of people download that ebook, then that's another next step down the chain. 
Uh, that's another step of validation. And then he might approach one of his publishers and say, hmm, you know what, let me write a book about this. I think this could do well. So that's a contained risk. He can put out crazy ideas in blog posts and see what kind of response they get. And then eventually, if he finds there's a sort of uh, golden thread weaving through them, that makes sense, say, hmm, I'm going to double down on that risk and launch a bigger risk on top of it. And the question that is at the source of all these is, does this eventually work? Or is this rather, is this something that might not work? The might part is important. So if you do something and you're 100% certain it will work, then it's probably not worth doing because it's not a step that will get you closer to making something remarkable. And... What you can do with these risks is because if you contain them to a very small area of what you're doing, you can aim them at very specific groups of people. And that's when, where the early adopters come in and you can target people like hardcore tech nerds or only millennials or only people interested in finance. And that's what I'm doing with my blog posts right now. I'm writing different blog posts for different groups of people to take contained risks, try new things, see what sticks, and then eventually double down on those.